0: always right radio on am 1420 the answer is your host
2: Bob France and a good morning to you thank you for joining us it's nine minutes after the the hour of nine o'clock and we are already rocking and or rolling Big program. What's all of the humming and buzzing and all that stuff about right now? I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from, but we'll try to make sure it goes away sooner rather than later. Um, my goodness, we got a big show today. We are jam-packed. Oh, it's gone already. How about that? We've got a huge show for you today, uh, coming up in a half an hour. It, it, and yes, I, there's a theme in the early part of the show. Law and order. Uh, crime and... And criminals we are going to discuss all of it coming up at nine thirty five we 're going to talk to the officer himself, uh, Brandon Tatum Salem uh, nationally syndicated host, of course, who took the uh, slot vacated by Larry Elder when Larry moved on to bigger and better ways to try to save the country that he always says needs saving. He is of course right. Officer Tatum has just been doing a phenomenal job he 'll be in town with us tomorrow night at the IX Center on stage with me, with Hugh Hewitt, with Eric Metaxas, with Peter now for the Battleground Talkers Tour. So much looking forward to that. And we're going to talk to the officer this morning about violent crime in America and about why it's on the rise, no matter how much the left tries to minimize that very fact. So that's coming up. At ten ten. we stay on the same subject, but particularly as it pertains to you voting in this November 8th election for issue number one. We have talked about Max Miller in uh, uh, Congressional District 7. We've talked about uh, getting J.D. Vance elected as uh, the next United States senator. Uh, we have talked about Supreme Court nominees that we absolutely have to have on the court, including Chief Justice Sharon Kennedy, along with associates Pat Fisher and Pat DeWine. We, we've talked about a lot of state, uh, state representatives, board members, or board candidates on the state Ohio, Ohio Board of Education. Uh, we're not talking issues a ton, though. At least we haven't been. Or a lot of people haven't been. We've been trying to. And we're going to do more of it today. Because coming up, in uh, in fact, it's underway now. It's underway right now. The bus tour. This is the Coalition for a Safer Ohio Vote Yes on Issue 1 bus tour. It departed at 8 a.m. The Cleveland Police Patrolman's Union Hall. It is going all throughout this state. And coming up at 1010, we're going to talk with Steve Loomis, who is the former president of the CPPA, and then also at the same time, we're going to talk with the prosecutor of Hamilton County. That's Cincinnati way, in case you don't know. Uh, Joe Dieters, he's going to join us to talk about this, um, extraordinarily important, uh, movement, uh, around the, around the state of Ohio to get issue one passed, which is directly related to the safety of Ohio citizens because it will remove, uh, the opportunity for judges to consider only flight risk when assigning bail or bond. Uh, to uh, accuse violent criminals, arrested and charged violent criminals. Because you have to be able to, have to be able to consider the threat to the public and the threat to witnesses who might be involved in the prosecution of said criminals. It's quite remarkable that we need to have a constitutional amendment to tell judges they have to consider this. But that's where we are. Vote yes on issue one. So Loomis and um, Dieters at uh, 1010 this morning. 10.35, we're going to talk to Christina Hagen, a former Ohio State representative, current member of the Ohio Board of Elections. And then at 11.10, a special treat, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz. Who is one of my favorite all-time senators? He is as conservative as the day is long, and he is smarter than even that. Uh, he's uh, he's just one of my one of my go-to guys when it comes to um, conservative issues and trying to protect the constitutional foundation of this country. Is Ted Cruz? He's in town because he's campaigning for a guy that he thinks will be an asset uh, for him and his efforts in the United States Senate, and that, of course, is J.D. Vance. And so we talked to J.D. yesterday, had a great conversation. If you missed it, you should hear it. You can hear it at alwaysrate.us. You can hear it at whkradio.com on the podcast page. But Ted Cruz is in town to campaign for J.D. We're going to talk to him about that and much more. So there you go. I told you we're loaded. Brandon Tatum at 935. We'll have uh, Steve Loomis and uh, Joe Dieters, prosecutor in Hamilton County at 1010. We'll have Christina Hagan, and we'll have Ted Cruz. We're loaded for bear. Not a ton of time to talk today, but I want you to listen because what we're presenting is very important. I would not be taking up the time, uh, valuable time on this program, uh, if it wasn't important. Normally, I like to talk myself, but I'm willing to shut up and listen to these guests because they do have that much to offer. So that's where we're headed. We're going to start with crime and punishment. We're going to start with law and order right after we rise, patriots, and we stand and face our flags if you have one nearby. And just a reminder, because I haven't brought it up in a long time, it doesn't have to be an actual flag. I love the ingenuity and the creativity of so many people in this listening audience who find a way to have a flag to look at when we do the pledge at this time every morning. Uh, including the first person who gave me the idea, they stuck a postage stamp, a flag postage stamp, to the dashboard of their car because they're always in the car at this hour and they want to be able to look at that flag when we do our Pledge of Allegiance. I just love that. And so many other people have come up with new, creative, and uh, ingenious ways to make sure that they can face the flag when we do our Pledge. So, Patriots, let's rise and do that. Put your hand, if you're driving, you don't have to do the rise part, but put your hand over your heart and join us. If you are a believer, that violent criminals deserve more consideration from our justice system than the victims that they have harmed, well, then you have no idea what that flag, those stars, those stripes even represent anyway. You are therefore exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee and protest it next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag
0: of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice
2: for all. So more and more surveys and polls are coming out showing that Americans are extraordinarily concerned about violent crime as one of the top issues in their um, mindset when they go to cast their votes on November 8th, or those who are casting early votes at their boards of elections. It is not just in Ohio, but around the country. Violent crime is an issue, because you can't, I mean, if you have a computer or a smartphone or any other way to connect to the internet, you cannot turn it on without seeing more scenes caught on camera of violent crimes from in broad daylight circumstances. We're not talking about gang members in the dark of night, under cover of darkness, committing these terrible acts against one another, at least not in all cases. We're not talking about people even hiding themselves anymore under ski masks or, because of the pandemic, uh, hats and uh, and surgical masks. We're not even seeing that. We're seeing people in broad daylight committing violent crimes, assaults, um, uh, uh, muggings, carjacking. These things are happening... With impunity, and the reason why is because criminals believe they are going to be set free. They don't believe there's no deterrent for them to carry out their um, their violent fantasies because of the soft on crime policies that have been set by the Democrats in big cities all over this country. Um, it's 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 an epidemic. Violent crime is an epidemic right now. It's at extraordinarily high proportions, and it's only getting worse. And that's what the American people are saying when they're asked, what are your concerns? Yes, inflation. Yes, economy. No January 6th. Um, no uh, 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 codifying row. No, they're not concerned about all of these things that the Democrats think you should be concerned about, about LGBTQ rights in schools. No, they're concerned about inflation, they're concerned about economy, they're concerned about the border, and they're concerned about violent crime. It affects the way that they live their lives. So I think it's important knowing that these numbers are what they are, and these surveys continue to turn this up, to take a look at some of the, the most important races in the battleground states and look at United States senators who would be responsible for establishing new policies, hopefully, um, in the United States Senate, a Senate and a, and a House controlled by Republicans who actually believe in law and order and who support cops and who support victims and not criminals, it's important to listen to some of these people. I'm going to start in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman. I, I played a bunch of this on Hugh Hewitt's program yesterday, but I want to play a couple of these clips for you now. John Fetterman, candidate for Senate against Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, was asked, if you had a magic wand, what's the first thing you would do with your magic wand to make um, you know American um, uh, lives safer, better, whatever, improved? And did he say, I would fix the economy? Did he say, I would stop fentanyl from coming into this country and killing people by the scores? Did he say he would secure the border to improve national security? If he had a magic wand, no. What would John Fetterman do? He'd release murderers. If you had a magic wand and you could wave it and fix one thing, what would it be?
4: Life without parole in Pennsylvania. We could save... Billions in revenue long-term, we could save thousands of of lives and, and not make anyone less safe.
2: Save thousands of lives by releasing murderers. And by the way, he didn't say the word murderers, but he said he would fix, quote, life in prison without parole. Typically, there's only one crime that leads to life in prison without parole, and that is murder. So he would release murderers as the very first thing. And if you think, well, maybe he was misunderstood, maybe that's an outlier. Um, okay, maybe not. Let's listen to this interview with John Fetterman
4: talking about convicted murderers and what wonderful people they are. They're just like your grandparents. People in the public think that you're talking about all bunch of Hannibal Lecter's in prison. And they're not. They're like your grandfather. They're like your grandmother. I tell people... Watch the Shawshank Redemption if you haven't already, and think about Morgan Freeman sitting in front of you after doing forty years. Would you say no? You should die in prison. Most people would say, of course not. That's what a lot of this. The, the, the are people. This is this is really an astounding thing
2: when you get right down to it. He wants you. He he wants to create an imaginary world and replace the reality world in which we live. He wants you to think that all of the murderers. All of the rapists, all of the the extremely violent people that are sitting in prisons are all misunderstood, sage old men like Red in, in Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman, you wanted him to get out, didn't you? That's what they're all like. These aren't all Hannibal Lecters. These are like your grandmas and your grandpas. Why he has such an affinity for violent criminals, why he has said he wants to release at least two thirds of the prison population in Pennsylvania is anybody's guess. But I can tell you this Democrats agree with him. Because he's winning in Pennsylvania, somehow, some way, Pennsylvania Democrats support him. The National Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, they support him. They shower him with millions they support so it, when when people bring this up and when democrats try to tell you that they're being mislabeled as being the party of crime instead of the party of law and order and if they complain that you know they're being mislabeled for saying they want to defund police that was totally taken out of context um no because if you didn't you wouldn't be supporting this clown and I'm speaking solely of his lifelong, career-long, anyway, support for criminals over victims. Not talking about the fact that he is also brain damaged because of the stroke that he suffered. He can't speak properly. That's another issue altogether. He can't listen, process, communicate, analyze, and then and then and then speak. He can't do it. You hear it in speeches that he gives all over. You know stump speeches all over uh, Pennsylvania. But that's not the issue. The issue is his belief and Democrats' belief in violent criminals being uh, you know, uh, treated with kid gloves, soft on crime policies. Release them. No cash bail. Speaking of no cash bail, let's go from Pennsylvania right here to, to Ohio. I spoke to J.D. Vance yesterday about a lot of the issues that were covered in the debate that they had in Youngstown on Monday. One of the issues I didn't cover is Tim Ryan's John Fetterman-like belief in letting violent people out of prison, letting them out of jail, or in this case, not locking them up to begin with once they're charged. No cash bail. We have seen an epidemic of recidivist crimes being committed by violent criminals who have been caught by police Arrested with, you know, their lives on the line. Police officers putting their lives on the line, particularly if it has to become a physical arrest, something that you know where there is a scuffle, there is resisting and so forth. They're putting their lives and their careers on the line because everybody is ready to say a cop used too much force. They bring these guys in, and then judges are letting them go with no cash bail, and they're going out there and and, and committing recidivist crimes. Meaning, you know, they're, they're out there committing new crimes while they wait trial for the first one, while they wait their first hearing for the one they were just arrested on. And this is something that Tim Ryan supports. So a
5: good portion of people who are in jail right now are their pre-trial, right? People who have not been convicted, they retain their presumption of innocence. Um, and we're seeing states end cash bail state by state. Would you support that yeah. nationally?
6: Yeah, I think the bail system is inherently unfair. Uh, and it, what it does is it just it sets people down a spiral of not being able to go to work, not being able to take care of their kids. Then you have adverse childhood experiences, and all of a sudden a parent's not at home. It's not much different than what we talk about when we see these kids separated from their parents through the immigration situation that we're dealing with in the United States. Show up, your, your dad's gone, or your mom's gone. And then you watch how this happens. There's a great article in the New York Times, I think it was, about adverse childhood experiences. Those, those traumatizing experiences for kids lead to mental health issues. What kind of trauma do the kids of the victims of these criminals that you
2: are so fond of, what kind of trauma do they suffer? What kind of trauma does a kid suffer when his mother is in the hospital after being assaulted, beaten in broad daylight on a subway platform? Or outside of a grocery store, or at a gas station. Wonder how those kids feel when they've been uh, when they've been uh, their parents have been abused in such ways. No cash bail. The other guy's got to go to work, and his kids, the, the perpetrators' kids. Well, they don't want to be separated from dad. Good old pops must be a joy to have around in the house after committing these kinds of crimes. This is what Democrats believe criminals matter, victims do not. There's Fetterman in Pennsylvania, there's Tim Ryan right here, which is another reason you absolutely must vote to elect J.D. Vance to the United States Senate. And now let's look at it from a bigger picture perspective. I'm going to give you this last clip in this segment. This is uh, Charles Coleman, Jr., an MSNBC legal analyst, telling you that Republicans, focusing on this violent crime issue as they decide how they're going to vote on November 8th,
7: Well, well, they're just barking up the wrong tree. Well, the first thing that I think we have to do is we have to stop sensationalizing America's crime problem because that leads to...
2: Sensationalizing means reporting. Stop reporting about all of the violent crime that is being committed in overwhelmingly, disproportionately, Democrat-run cities.
7: The big urban centers that are always blue accurate narratives that then also gives rise to improper solutions that focus on symptoms rather than systems. And so what do I mean by that? We have to understand and look at what it is that we know. We know that roughly 80% of the crime that occurs in this country is nonviolent, low-level misdemeanor, and or traffic violations. So that leaves about 20% of violent crime, which admittedly is still on the rise, but does not at all compare to the, the overall majority
2: Just to clarify that for you, because 80% of the crime that occurs in America is nonviolent, we should stop focusing so much and reporting on the 20% that is violent crime. Because while it's still on the rise and it's still a lot, it doesn't compare to the overall, overall majority of the crime. That would be like analogies. That would be like saying we have to stop worrying about looking for a cure for cancer We have to stop looking for uh, a way to cure diabetes because the overwhelming majority of illnesses in America are not as serious as cancer and things that can kill you, like those particular uh, those, uh, particular diseases. Because most of them are common colds and sprained ankles. Why are we focusing so much of our attention and so much of our funds on serious diseases? My goodness, don't you have any sense of of, of, of uh, 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 proportionality here? This is their mindset. Ignore violent crime because most crimes aren't violent, and ignore cash or uh, don't get don't make people have to pay cash bail. Let them out again so they can go out and commit more crimes. And uh, and remember, murderers are all like Grandma and Grandpa and Morgan Freeman. I'll be back.
0: Waking Up America from its woke slumber Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer
2: Why do Democrats just so consistently prioritize the wrong things? Why is it we must take in immigrants, illegal immigrants crossing our southern border in violation of American sovereignty laws, feed them, clothe them, be a humanitarian, help them, but the homeless veterans that populate streets all over this country, that can't get any assistance whatsoever, don't bother me with that. Why is that? Why do they prioritize the wrong things all the time? Why do they prioritize criminals, killers even, over victims and victims' families? If you had a magic wand and you
4: could wave it and fix one thing, what would it be? Life without parole in Pennsylvania. We could save... Billions in revenue long-term, we could save thousands of of lives and and not make anyone less safe. And also expunges many permanent records of people that have been living their best lives and have been paying well beyond when they should have for a charge that they caught 10, 15, 20 years ago.
7: You know,
2: John Fetterman, in addition to the insanity of, as I just noted, having more sympathy for criminals than victims. The, the the height of this man's stupidity is just, it's really, really something to behold. Um, I mean, it's a mountain of stupidity. It's a mountain. He just said he wanted to end life in prison without parole. And then he said people serving longer than they should have for a charge they caught 10 or 15 years ago. People who are living their best lives. Wait a minute, what? People who caught a charge 10 or 15 years ago, if they're serving life in prison, that 10 or 15 years ago charge was a murder, probably with special circumstances. But he wants to set murderers free. It's the most important thing he does. Senator
6: Tom Cotton had a response to that. I mean, when John Fetterman was asked, if you had a magic wand, you could have one wish, what would it be? He didn't say, like, I would end our inflation problem, or I'd bring down the price of gas, or I'd I'd solve the opioid epidemic that's killing so many Pennsylvanians. He said I would end long sentences for murderers. That's in addition to all the murderers he's voted to let out of prison. So, yeah, there's an absolute sense of urgency here in Pennsylvania and really across the country because most Americans understand the stakes of this election.
2: Fetterman has voted to let murderers out of prison, and he has expressed a desire and a wish to wave a magic wand and end life in prison without parole for the rest of the murderers. Let them free. Set them free. Let them go. Meanwhile, here we are with msnbc leftist lunatics putting legal analysts on like charles coleman jr along with far left wing nut eugene robinson of the washington post talking about how we need to stop talking about all this violent crime we can't keep reporting on this we can't keep letting people know that all of this violent crime is on the rise because it's going to cost all of us who hate throwing violent criminals in prison we're getting exposed, and that's why we're going to lose the election. Well, the first
7: thing that I think we have to do is we have to stop sensationalizing America's crime problem because that leads to inaccurate narratives that then also gives rise to improper solutions that focus on symptoms rather than systems. And so what do I mean by that? We have to understand and look at what it is that we know. We know that roughly 80% of the crime that occurs in this country is nonviolent, low-level misdemeanor, and or traffic violations. So and that-
2: again, I'm going to repeat that, you know, more than 80% of the illnesses in this country are not cancer,
7: so therefore we have to stop working so hard on stopping cancer, right? That leaves about 20% of violent crime, which admittedly is still on the rise, but does not at all compare to the the overall majority of the crime that is occurring. That's the first thing, that the framing... Did I
2: mention that I just really have a strong disdain for stupid people? I mean, seriously, dumb people. And dumb people, by the way, are not the same as educated people. Because educated people, I don't like many of them either. Education doesn't mean they're smart. It means they went to school and got higher degrees. Doesn't mean they're smart. Just look at the number of idiots graduating from Ivy League universities who cannot comprehend any of the things we're talking about right now. It's not about education. I would probably count on getting more insightful, real information from a Cleveland welder than I would for a Princeton grad. Sorry, not, it's not across the board, but uh, don't confuse education with
7: intelligence. These people are just flat-out stupid. This is on violent crime when violent crime is not at all a significant majority of what's occurring. Do, do you
2: think that the, the grandma who got the hell beaten out of her by three thugs outside of the uh, 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 subway station cares that hers is not a huge majority of the types of crimes? It's occurring and it's occurring far more frequently. Do you think, did you hear the story in our newscast? Do you think the five people who were shot at the barber shop on State Road yesterday afternoon, at the iFix Ugly Barber Shop, you think they care that, you know, these types of things are only about 20% of the total crimes in America. The vast majority of the crimes are speeding tickets and, uh, and nonviolent crimes. So, you know, this isn't that big of a deal. Do you think it's not that big of a deal? These lunatics, and I mean this very seriously, they're lunatics, are trying to tell you that violent crime isn't important to focus on because more crimes are not violent than are. Never mind the fact that homicides in Cleveland are up double-digit percent. Homicides in the biggest blue cities in America, New York City, St. Louis, Los Angeles, Chicago, Oakland, California. I mean, you can go on in Austin, Texas, which is kind of New York City light. Violent, sh- Cleveland, Ohio, did I say Cleveland, did I start with Cleveland? I don't know if I started with Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio, all of them, homicides and and violent crimes are on a, on a, a skyrocketing level and they're saying don't focus on that please we have an election to win we Democrats need to tell people that violent crimes aren't too many of the total number of crimes quit focusing on them or else people are gonna realize that we don't care about crime and they're gonna vote for
7: the other side what does that do what do we know Well, we know in addition to those statistics that the GOP generally speaking and the right has given up on anything that resembles the notion of inclusion with respect to the voters that it is courting. The significance of that. Them- Wait, what? Inclusion?
2: The only thing we care about including is criminals into the prison population. That's where we want inclusion. Include them among the incarcerated. That's what we care about, you nut job. We don't care about, you know, John Fetterman's affinity for violent multiple murderers that he wants to set free so they don't have to spend life in prison without parole. We want inclusivity. We want to include these people either
7: on death row or in life uh, or life in prison without parole. That's the inclusion we care about. That is that they have now turned to a strategy that sensationalizes crime, that weaponizes crime, and that racializes crime. Ah, there it is.
2: You knew he couldn't speak much longer without playing the race card. We're weaponizing crime. We're sensationalizing crime if we, re- if we report accurately crime statistics. That's sensationalizing, that's weaponizing, and yes, that's racializing. Why, Mr. Coleman? Why would it be racializing for us to report the actual number of violent crimes that are on the rise in cities all across this country? Mr. Coleman is African-American. Why did you just say it racializes it? Are you suggesting, sir, that the overwhelming majority of violent crimes in America are being committed by racial minorities? That they're being committed by African-Americans? Is that what you're suggesting, sir? Because it sounds to me like you just blamed Republicans for sensationalizing crime and then saying that's racist. You just declared that crime is
7: is overwhelmingly being committed by african-americans unfortunately engage a certain demographic of their voting base that is receptive to these tactics because of that it gets away from actual data-driven solutions like creating employment opportunities yeah that's a good idea Let's let the prisoners out like John Fetterman
2: wants, if he could wave his magic wand. Let's wave the viol- or let the violent criminals out of jail, and let's just give them new jobs. Then they won't kill anymore. Forget about the victims they've already, uh, you know, attacked or killed, and forget about their families, if we just give them jobs and employment
7: opportunities, that'll solve everything, right? Like investing in local economies, and addressing the things that actually create crime, rather than, and those are systemic, rather than addressing symptoms like, let's fund more police, let's build more jails, let's lock people up.
2: (laughs) He just said, let's not address the symptoms. Let's not fund more police. And if I may... If one says, let's not fund police, are they not also at the same time saying, let's defund police? Yeah. Even in their zeal to try to stop middle-of-the-road, centrist, undecided, swing-moderate voters, in their zeal to try to convince them that they don't support crime, in this, this segment on MSNBC, they can't help but continue to express that they support crime don't hire more cops don't build more jails don't lock more people up stop racializing things they're admitting that crime overwhelmingly in the united states and they're not wrong statistically speaking 6% Six percent of the population, which is African-American males, are committing over 40 percent of the viol- or the murders rather, in the United States of America. 13 percent, which is the full African-American population, commit over 50 percent of the homicides in America. It's an impossible statistic to wrap your brain around. It's true. And an even higher percentage commit the other violent crimes that are non-murders. Talking about armed robberies, we're talking about assaults, we're talking about rapes. Now, I don't like saying those things out loud. Nobody likes saying those things out loud. But when you've got an African-American commentator, a legal analyst on MSNBC, telling America before the midterm elections that this GOP is racializing crime by reporting on it, then he has just said out loud. They're telling everybody about the statistics, that the majority of violent crime is committed by Democrats, African-American Democrats. And we can't have that. We've got to stop that message. Even when trying to make things sound better, they make things sound worse. Violent crime in America, particularly in America's biggest cities, is on a huge, huge uptick. More and more victims, and here's the other dirty little secret that they don't want you to know about. The overwhelming number of victims of those violent crimes are also African Americans, and they don't Black lives do not matter to Eugene Robinson, to Charles Coleman Jr. Black lives do not matter to any of them because if they did, they would be calling for more police, for stricter sentences, for high cash bail so that the criminals that are victimizing the African-American community can't do it anymore. 951, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Right back.
0: Always Right Radio. It's outrageous. And it's dangerous. On The Answer. It's outrageous.
2: So, 956 now. Don't forget, we've got... uh, Coming up at 1010, we're going to talk uh, with Steve Loomis and with Prosecutor Joe Dieters from Hamilton County. That's down Cincinnati way. They're both on the bus tour, the Vote Yes on Issue 1 in Ohio bus tour, going all across the state right now, and we're going to talk to them about why it's so important to vote for Issue 1. It's obviously related to what we're, our theme is this morning thus far, and that is violent crime on the rise and how Americans, how Ohioans in this particular case, can look for some sort of reprieve from this increased violence, the dangers that um, that they face. Any, It's not even when they go out. Even in your home. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. And this is what Democrats are terrified of. This is why they're trying to say, please stop talking about crime. Because it makes them look really, really bad. Here is a Philadelphia,
5: Pennsylvania voter. So, we have to have authority. We have to have some kind of control. And that's what's missing right now. There's a huge sense of lawlessness. And I think everybody in Philadelphia is feeling it. All of my neighbors surely are. Because that's what they talk about. The feeling of lawlessness and the feeling of fear.
2: Lawlessness and fear. Who's to blame for for that who's to blame for that and the answer is of course the party that wants you to give them and help them retain power in congress and in the states that says to defund the police
7: the defund the, the, the police message hurt the city of philadelphia and crime all over uh the country uh raise your hand if you believe the defund the, the police message hurt us
2: Every hand on the panel, 24689 strong. Every hand on this panel. This is something they had on Fox News this morning in Philadelphia, which, of course, is going to decide on Dr. Oz versus Fetterman, who hates uh, victims and who hates uh, society and loves criminals and loves prisoners and compares them to grandpas and grandmas. Not making that up. I played it for you before. You know, murderers are not like Hannibal Lecter. They're not evil people. These are moms
4: and dads and, and grandmas and grandpas. That's all they you know, are. The public think that, that you're talking about all a bunch of Hannibal Lecters in prison. And they're not. They're like your grandfather. They're like your grandmother. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what more do you need to hear? The Democrat
2: mindset is support criminals. Do not lock them up. Do not hire more police to arrest them. Do not make them pay cash bail uh, in order to get out to intimidate and threaten witnesses of their first crimes. No, don't do any of those things. Just continue to elect Democrats and let us establish policies that will keep every American in their house, cowering in fear. And you think that's uh, an exaggeration? It's not, because the, 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 the companion story to this development is the continued assault on the Second Amendment. If you can't defend yourself first, defund the police so there aren't cops able to come and, and come to your rescue. And if you want to defend yourself, since cops aren't going to be around, we're going to make it harder and harder for you to get the guns of your choice. Now you tell me how any reasonable, moderate, centrist, undecided swing voter is going to lean toward Democrats with that kind of a policy. You explain that to me, how that makes sense. We'll see if Hamilton County Prosecutor Joe Dieters can. We'll see if Steve Loomis, former uh, president of the CPPA, can. They're on the bus tour right now. We'll talk to them after the news on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
1: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
0: Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock. Good Friday to you. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio. It's the 21st morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. We're talking about crime and punishment, or lack thereof. We're talking about law and order, or lack thereof. On AM 1420, the answer. Uh, Tim Ryan wants to be senator. Tim Ryan doesn't think that criminals should have to pay cash bail. We're
5: seeing states end cash bail state by state. Would you support that nationally?
6: Yeah, I think the bail system is inherently unfair. Uh, and it, what it does is it just it sets people down a spiral of not being able to go to work. Not being able to take care of the kids. How unfortunate for
2: criminals uh, to not be able to go back to their jobs and see their kids while they await trial for committing violent crimes against innocent people who might not be able to say they, see their kids ever again. That's just symptomatic of a wider, broader issue nationally on bail reform. Uh, the crime is spiking in big blue cities all over this country because of soft on crime judges giving little to no bail. Uh, here in Cleveland and Cuyahoga County, we have judges lowering. Bail amounts from extraordinary and appropriate numbers to very easily manageable numbers so that criminals can go back out and intimidate witnesses and maybe commit more crimes uh, during the the downtime before their trials. So we're going to talk more about this because here in the state of Ohio, we've got a chance to do something about it on November 8th with issue one demanding. And mandating that judges consider public safety and consider criminal records of defendants when they have been charged with crimes when considering bail. Issue one is extraordinarily important. In fact, it is so important that there's a bus tour going on right now all over the state of Ohio. The vote yes on issue one bus tour. Uh, it started this morning at 8 o'clock at the Cleveland Police Patrolman's Union Hall. The former president of the CPPA is Steve Loomis. He's on that bus tour. He joins us right now. Steve, Good morning. Steve, can't hear you. Steve, can you hear me? Yep, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. You might have had your phone muted. Okay. Uh, Also joining us now is the prosecutor in Hamilton County, Joe Dieters. He is on this tour as well, trying to get out the word that Ohioans need to vote yes on issue one. Prosecutor Dieters, can you hear me?
8: I can, Bob. Thanks. Thanks for having us
2: today. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Prosecutor, I'm going to start with you if we could. Uh, I mean, I don't know how severe the problem is in Hamilton County, but I know Steve is going to tell us a couple of stories about how serious it is here in Cuyahoga County. Um, It just seems as though the movement now is to go lighter on criminals as they await their trials or uh, alleged criminals as they await their trials. How much danger does that put the general public in, Prosecutor Dieters?
8: Well, clearly, it does it all over the state. Does it all over the ca- the country? Um, this, Bob, this case that would, the genesis of State Issue One occurred nine months ago in Hamilton County, a Cincinnati courtroom, where a judge set a bond. The defense attorney thought the bond was too high. It was on a murder case, of, and the guy fled to Las Vegas, he had all kinds of fake IDs, the credit cards not in his name, things like that. We extradited him back to Cincinnati. Judge set a bond. Defense thought it was too high. It worked its way through the court system, got to the Ohio Supreme Court, okay, the last word in Ohio, judicially. And in that court, and when I tell audiences this, I was with Steve this morning, um, and and we talked about this a little bit. In that case, when I tell people what the four judges did on our Supreme Court, they ruled that when setting a monetary bail amounts judges shall not consider the safety of the public which which is overturns basically 200 years of jurisprudence in Ohio now these progressive judges um, and there's no other way to describe them like um, Jennifer Bruner and Maureen O'Connor that did this those judges that did this they they have have cast a lot that has forced us now to go to the state assembly. We went to the legislature and the Senate, Dave Yost and I, the attorney general, and got two-thirds, I'm oh, sorry, three-fifths of the House and Senate to place this on the ballot. So this, in, in really, literally 17 days, the people of Cuyahoga County and Northeast Ohio are going to be able to vote And it's uh, it's very simple. The ballot issue says that if you vote yes, judges shall consider the safety of the community when setting a bail, which changes everything back to the way it was. It's just a giant reset. But that's the way it should be. The first role of government is to protect its citizens. And this ruling flies right in the face of it. I know Steve... um, One of your great detectives here in Cleveland has a great story about a murder case he's dealing with right now.
7: Yeah,
2: great great in size and scope, not great in outcome, because it's terrible. <laughs> uh, Mr. Dieters, before I go to Steve on that, I want to make sure, sure I heard you correctly. I thought you said that it tells judges they can consider seriousness of offense, criminal record, and safety of the public. It's not can. If I'm reading the, the language right, it's must. It requires judges to it, consider it, those it things correct.
8: Shall it's shall? mandatory? You shall do that.
2: Good, good. I wanted to make make that clear because I don't want there to be ambiguity. I don't want there to them to have any room. They they don't um, have a choice. Good. They can't
8: it, hide, they can't hide behind this this Debose case from January, which is what a lot of judges are doing. A right. lot of judges, most judges do the right thing. Down in Cincinnati, we have Republican and Democrat judges that are saying, literally. On the record, I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I'm protecting this community. I mean, they are that mad about this decision. Judges, it's, yeah,
2: it, it's the, it's because it's, it takes their ability to protect the people away out of their hands. Right, that is exactly correct. We're talking with uh, Hamilton County Prosecutor Joe Dieters, who's part of this bus tour today in support of Issue 1. And by the way, as we bring in Steve Loomis, who's on that bus as well, the ACLU, Steve, is against this, arguing against this uh, this uh, issue, saying that it is, quote, unnecessary and deeply misguided. How do you respond to that?
3: Yeah, they're, they're unnecessary and deeply misguided. Um, the reality is is that the law-abiding citizens, deserve to feel safe in their homes. They deserve to feel... Listen, Bob, I'll tell you about this real quick case. Judge Deborah Turner uh, courtroom, and she is uh, infamous for lowering the bonds here in in Cuyahoga County, a very, very dangerous people. This this individual was indicted for aggravated murder. Uh, Murder A, murder B, felonious assault A, felonious assault A2, having weapons under disability. That's just what we got him for this time. Right. And he's indicted on that. So we go to the initial appearance. We get a million dollar bond on him because he should not be allowed out on our streets unless he gets acquitted, you know, and good luck with that. We do a good job up in that homicide unit in Cleveland. So good luck with that. So we get a million dollar bond on him on, uh, uh, in April and in June, uh, Judge Turner thinks that it's a great idea to reduce that million-dollar bond to a $50,000 10% bond, which means five grand and he's out in the wind, all right? Now, if the other things that we have to consider is the safety of our witnesses. We have witnesses in, in these cases, and how do you think they feel when they know that the guy that they saw do something horrific and they're going to come testify on, know that that guy's out in the wind. It's an incredibly dangerous situation for them. It's a it's an impossible situation for us to manage and the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office to manage. And uh, it makes zero sense. Why are we worried about this guy being in jail while his case gets adjudicated? If he beats it and, you know, a jury of his peers... He beats it. Good riddance. You know, that's the Steve, American Steve, way. Just, Steve, just system. out of
2: curiosity so that we can kind of talk about why this issue, Issue 1, is so important to pass because people like Judge Turner do these kinds of things, um, did she offer explanation as to why she lowered a bail from a $1 million to 50000 and a 10% $5,000 bond out?
3: Well, no. and And I'll tell you, because that was done in the cover of night. If we had known that there was going to be a bond hearing, uh, or, or she was going to conduct a bond hearing, we would have been there to to, to argue, um, you know, respectfully with her on why there shouldn't be a bond hearing. This, this, this individual well, was,
2: wait, Steve, uh, was the, was the prosecutor there? Does the prosecutor have to be there for a bond hearing? Cause did they, I would assume he, the prosecutor argued.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, the prosecutor was there and, and they make the arguments and um, they're beating their head up against the wall with some of these judges here in Cuyahoga County and this isn't happening just with homicides. This is happening with sex crimes. The most heinous crimes that you can think of, um, individuals, suspects, peop- defendants, people that have been arrested, are being released on these ridiculous bonds. Here, put an ankle bracelet on. Well, guess what happens? Two weeks after the ankle bracelet's on, it gets cut off. This is another story. Two weeks before uh, um, his case comes up, the ankle bracelet comes off. He goes and confronts, has a physical altercation with, with a girlfriend and ends up shooting the girlfriend's uh, father in front of four kids. Five-year-old little girls, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, 12-year-old little boys. This happened in front of those kids, Bob. That guy should have been in jail. He should not have been out in the wind. Yeah. And he went there and confronted her. And now look at the lives that are ruined because of it. Not to mention the fact. But now we have to go back out, and this is a a minor consideration, but these folks have nothing to lose. When, they're, when they leave, they, they have nothing to lose, so that makes it that much more no, dangerous. Steve, I disagree oh, that it's a minor
2: consideration. Down. That's a major consideration. I'm going to go back to yeah, the prosecutor here. It's a major consideration that police officers who already risked themselves yeah. and their careers, if not their lives, arresting violent criminals the first time around have to go out and re-arrest them when they go out there and commit new crimes while they're awaiting their first mm-hmm. hearing uh, for the for the existing crime. Uh, I mean, it makes cops just want to sit in their cars and say, I'm not going to go out there and deal with this. What's the gain? How am I protecting the public when this guy's going to be out in 24 hours on a next to nothing bond uh so so um prosecutor joe Dieter's down in hamilton county the story steve just told with judge turner up here is sadly not an isolated one is it
8: no it's not and you know steve and i we in law enforcement we tend to talk about murder cases all the time yeah but one of the crimes that this really is impacted to us is domestic violence because we can't hold anybody, basically, now on domestic violence anymore. Because lots of times it's a first-time offense, but the, the passions and the hatred sometimes are so elevated to re-release them that quickly to go back into a home where they're abusing their wife or their children is an incredibly dangerous situation. And, that, and that's what's going on, I'm quite certain, across the state right
3: now. Um, It's a dereliction of duty. It's an absolute dereliction of their duty to keep the public as safe as possible.
2: Well, and the point you you brought up, Steve, I want to take this back to Prosecutor Dieters as well about the witnesses. You you probably have seen witness intimidation before, but usually it may be on people on behalf of criminals who are maybe being held without bond or on a high bond, but not by the criminals themselves, at least until now. How how serious is the witness intimidation or threat uh, in in Ohio if we don't pass this bill?
3: Well, I I don't you know, I don't it, know about the witness. Oh, I'm sorry, sir.
2: Yeah, oh, prosecutor leaders. Yeah, uh, uh, that was for you. Go okay, ahead, sir. Okay,
3: I'm sorry.
8: <laughs> okay, so this, this is a big problem obviously. It's a big problem across the state. When you when you continue to turn these people back out onto the street to re-victimize other people and victim or I'm sorry, witness intimidation is very prevalent, especially in this environment where they know the guy's going to get out. What you know what Actually, I don't know if Steve is seeing this in Cleveland, but people are so fed up with the justice system, I mean, just just done with it, that a lot of times we have murders in Cincinnati. Somebody knows, hey, this guy killed my brother. He can either cooperate with the state and be locked up in courtrooms for the next three, four, five years, or he can just do it himself. And that's a lot of people are doing it themselves because they've lost Faith in the justice
3: system. Yeah, that's, and, that's and, true. And we have murders going back and forth now
2: in not? Steve, go ahead. Yeah, that's
3: that's absolutely true. Um, just and and the suspect doesn't have to necessarily confront a witness for that witness to be terrified. Just knowing that that guy is out on the street somewhere. Imagine what what these witnesses who are already intimidated by this system um, are thinking, constantly looking over their shoulder, constantly looking around. Um, I deal with these folks um, as a homicide detective, and it is heartbreaking because you, you absolutely need them to make these cases, but then you completely understand where they're coming from when they say, Hey man, it's not worth it. And, and that's the problem that we have with these low bonds and, and with these violent crimes,
2: um, let, let let me ask you both this question: Are are either of you aware of a recent? Uh, God God forbid, this is true. I mean, but uh, this is what we're talking about: cases where uh, a violent suspect who has been arrested, who has been charged, who was let out on no or low bond, did indeed attack and or kill witnesses. Um, not witnesses. Well, I don't I
8: don't have it. I don't have the name of the case at the tip of my fingers, but I can tell you it has happened. I know I mean, it's, happened got- and
2: it's happened across the country. I'm just wondering how serious this is going to be if we don't pass issue one. Because I, it, it's a guarantee that it's going to happen far, far, far more frequently uh, if these judges aren't forced by, by you know, the, the, the Constitution now in this amendment uh, to, uh, uh, to consider public safety, witness safety, et cetera, uh, when, they, when they assess these bonds. Go ahead, Prosecutor Dieters.
8: Well, I think, I think it's deadly serious, and I think that that clearly places people at risk what issue one's going to do, you know, there may be judges still out there. that are going to set stupid, stupid low bonds on, on on violent offenders, but they no longer can hide behind the Supreme court. That's what they're doing. Now they're saying, Hey, my hands are tied to Supreme court said I can't consider public safety. So I have to do this. I have to do this. And in fairness to the judges, they're right. They have to, because the Supreme court of our state and what's, What's irritating to me is someone who's been in government their whole life is they know that they could never get this to the legislature in Ohio. They know that Governor DeWine would never sign something like this, that not consider public safety. So they do it judicially with some activist judges, and they just do an end run around the system the way it's built to be, be, be used. I heard a clip as we were coming on today, Bob, of Tim Ryan. Look. I've met Tim before. He's a pleasant guy. But if you're a progressive like Tim is, I have no problem with that. Just own it. Don't act like you're not. I mean, it's just so frustrating to watch some of these campaigns. and They pretend they're somebody they're not. And, and if you believe what you believe, just say, that's what I believe. And if people don't elect you, that should be the end of the story.
2: Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't politics be a much better place if that was the case, if people were honest about their opinions and let the people decide? But, no, they're going to lie and try to cover their opinions in another way so that they can pull the wool over people's eyes. Uh, Steve Loomis, uh, we're just about out of time here. Can you tell us any more about this bus tour? Where are you guys heading today?
8: We're heading to Lisbon, Ohio, right now. Um, actually, we're going to be joined up with J.D. Vance down at the Spread Eagle Tavern. And there's a rally down there. We have hit, I think it's now 14 cities in three days, two and a half days. Uh, Cleveland was kind of our, our climax spot. Our very last spot was Cleveland, Ohio. And now we're just going to do one quick stop, which they Vance, So, and then we're going to be heading back south, but we're going to keep pushing for this issue for the next, you know, 17 days.
2: Well, I'm going to do the same thing on the radio and hopefully everybody within the sound of our, my voice, our voices, hears this, uh, not only goes to the polls and votes yes on issue one, but educates friends and family members and other voters, tell them the seriousness of, uh, issue one. And if they, uh, if they do not get this thing passed, the potential danger can put the public in. It's reasonable. It's common sensible. Uh, it must pass issue one. Uh, Hamilton County prosecutor Joe Dieters, Cleveland police, uh, detective Steve Loomis. Thank you both for doing what you're doing. We certainly appreciate Robert,
3: it. I- If I could, one thing very, very quickly. Um, Pat DeWine, Justice Pat DeWine, Justice Pat Fisher, um, Justice uh, Sharon Kennedy Kennedy. voted against this nonsense that um, Maureen O'Connor pushed through that progressive uh, Ohio Supreme Court. They're running again now. We have to keep them in there. There's no doubt about it. They offered tremendous dissenting opinions and they, and they knew in it the, was wrong. Yeah, in, and
2: just, just, just so people aren't confused by what you said, because we're telling people to vote for Issue 1. When you say yes. they voted against, they voted against DuBose in the, 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 the yes. dubose the McGuffey Supreme Court case. These are the ones who dissented. They're the ones who want uh, uh, judges to have to consider public safety in addition to uh, flight risk and so forth. So, yes, we want to vote for Issue 1, and we want to vote Bob, for Bob, Sharon Kennedy, Pat Fisher, and Pat DeWine on the Ohio Supreme Court. That's correct, Bob.
8: Those judicial elections for the Supreme Court may be the most important in your listeners' lifetime. It's going to set the tone in Ohio for the next decade in terms of law enforcement.
2: I'm very glad to hear you both say that because that cannot be, uh, that cannot be overstated. People need to understand the, the importance of that Supreme Court election. And again, you're going to want to vote for Sharon Kennedy, Pat Fisher, and Pat DeWine if you really care about safety in Ohio. Uh, thank you again, Prosecutor Dieters and Steve Loomis.
8: Thanks, Bob. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, Bob.
2: 1029. We're way late. We're good to news now. We'll come back on the other side and talk about this, a uh, little bit more and some other things with Christina Hagan on AM 1420
0: in the age of unreason. Always Write Radio with Bob France and The Answer.
2: Okay, 1038 now. Always Write Radio on AM 1420. The Answer. It's been pretty much all law and order. All crime and punishment. At least we want it to be that way. We want there to be some punishment. We want there to be some order uh, when it comes to our laws. And uh, a lot of this is on the ballot. It's on the ballot for elected officials. And it's on the ballot for issues. Constitutional amendments like Issue 1. Thank you to... uh, the uh, Hamilton County uh, Prosecutor Joe Dieters, thanks to uh, Cleveland Police Homicide Detective and former CPPA President Steve Loomis, who were part of that bus tour uh, the last couple of days, uh, circling the state and reminding everybody to vote yes on issue one uh, for public safety. It is that important. Joining us now with commentary on that and much more is our uh, regular Friday commentator Christina Hagen. She's a former Ohio State Representative. She now sits on the Ohio Board of Elections, and she joins us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning, Christina.
5: Good morning, Bob.
2: Thanks for having me on. So, uh, before we dive into um, you know the midterms themselves, uh, and there are a couple of other issues, just to get your thoughts on issue one that we, that we just talked about. I think it's an astounding thing when our Ohio Supreme Court, which needs to be made over, it needs to be remade, if you will, and uh, God willing, it will be with uh, with Fisher and DeWine and uh, retaining their spots and Sharon Kennedy becoming the new chief justice. Uh, but because of a ridiculous decision made by the court that essentially said um, asking a $1.5 million bond for somebody who cannot afford that is unconstitutional and wrong, judges weren't allowed to consider public safety. They were being forced to consider only the flight risk of a suspect when assigning a bond, and it's leading to these extraordinarily low or no-cash bonds, putting witnesses and the public in jeopardy. Um, your thoughts on Issue 1, Christina?
5: Yeah, I just think that they continue to legislate from the bench to overstep their bounds and they do not have the authority to define this. Um, it's not a question of constitutionality. It's more so them trying to dictate fairness in their opinion. So I, I, again, you know, I would just reiterate what you've already been speaking to on this, that they are out of their bounds on this.
2: Yeah. The question is, is whether the people get it though. You know, that's, that's what I'm, cause I, you know, I think most people who are. Who are educated on the matter and who you know listen or read the things we're talking about? Listen to people like our guests. Listen to you. They get. I just hope that the average American voter understands what issue one is because I'll admit I'm guilty. I do a radio program about politics largely, and I talk with with uh, uh, candidates all the time, but I don't spend a ton of time on the issues. And I just really hope that uh, most uh, Ohioans do understand the severity of this and that they uh, and that they get involved. Do you do you hear in your in your daily uh, comings and goings? do You hear people talking about these as we as we t- approach the midterms
5: you know unfortunately uh we know that we're just a few short number of weeks out from the election but most 17 days are, i think right right but most people are still suffering the ramifications of the horrific economy and inflation and are distracted by just trying to put food on the table mm-hmm. and are being bombarded with um ads targeting republicans as the worst most heinous evil people on earth and so they're not probably thinking about the most critical issues that will impact the safety and the structure of our local communities like this. So I right. you know, I, the same as you need to spend more time, even myself, I'm guilty as a mother of three and a, with a baby on the way and um, a career that we need to sit down and make sure we fully understand the implication of issue one and cast a vote that protects um, our ability to have strong law enforcement in our communities. Right.
2: And I would also add to that, even though we haven't talked about it today, voting yes on Issue 2 is extremely important as well because this would uh, ensure that only citizens get to vote. Only citizens get to vote, not non-citizens, illegal aliens or otherwise, or or legal residents who are here from other countries but not citizens. Only citizens get to vote. That's what Issue 2 is about. So I hope people uh, share that with their friends and family, put it on their social media posts, put it in emails. And more. Uh, so let's talk about the midterms. Let's talk about where we are. And I want to ask you about desperation, uh, Christina Hagan, because that's what I hear and that's what I see when I see Joe Biden dumping 15 uh, million barrels of oil into the international market just 17 days, 18 days yesterday, uh, before the election, trying to artificially lower the extraordinarily inflated gas prices that he's responsible for, uh, before the election so he can try to claim a victory there. And then the other thing, he, he once said that the economy and inflation were his number one domestic priority, and after his party keeps the uh, the majority on November 8th, that was what he was going to do. Apparently that message wasn't resonating because uh, they're getting shellacked, at least in the polls. He's now changed that and said, if you keep us in the majority, I will vote, uh, sign a law that codifies Roe versus Wade. Um this is this is what desperation looks and smells like to me. How about you?
5: Yeah, unquestionably. They could not be on more sides of every issue. Um if you think about just the the fact that they are um undercutting the entire country for political gain, political gain in every way, every day. Um but you think about the fact that they tried to and did impeach Trump specifically for exactly what President Joe Biden is doing in front of all of us. Um what what Trump was accused for doing, allegedly putting his own political interests ahead of national interests, um, is exactly what Joe Biden has done. I mean, he's communicated with the Saudis for his own political gain in November to create a temporary uh, relief of oil and gas uh, prices for his own potential gain. And he's done the same thing with the mayor of El Paso, who is wanting and in deep need of sounding the alarm on the illegal immigration crisis in that city. And he's asked, hey, please don't say anything about that right now. And mind you, Democrats do what they always do. Um, They say to listen to what they say and don't observe what they do because the mayor of El Paso has bused, flown, shipped more illegal immigrants out of their city into sanctuary cities than any Republican leader has on In the border states and yet you hear nothing about it it's remarkable uh, that we continue to be snowed by the media that they do not cover things in the same way and when their press secretaries are pressed on this they go oh it's a different time it's a different place what what is different about the truth and abusing your power in the Oval Office for your party's political gain and trying to attempt to save your worthless bench that has driven our country into the ground what is different There's nothing different except for they're actually doing it, and they accused our previous president, who happened to love our country and care about the future of our country and was fighting to create a stronger national security for our country, to strengthen our reserves instead of deplete them for political gain. It's just, it's remarkable, but again, it is a, this is desperation at its finest. I mean, we... We live in a world where um, Nancy Pelosi gets on TV and says everything's great, He's the best president ever. He's had the best two years of any president in recent <laughs> generations and with a straight face. And, you know, to her credit, she's an excellent politician. She does. She's doing what they need to do. But the reality is Democrats themselves are jumping off board every single day. Their leadership within their party structures pretending to be distanced from him, pretending to be more moderate on the issues, now claiming that they're for tighter border security. Uh, you can see Tim Ryan running away from all the things that he wore as a bleeding heart liberal that he is just short months and years ago. Um, but it's it's fascinating. Um, it's who they are. It's who they always will be. And they will always lie to sustain their power and to obstruct the well-being of this country.
2: Yeah, that is very well said. And for those who don't know what you and I are talking about here, just enjoy this little nugget. Uh, Where's the? Yeah, there's the mute button. Sorry about that. Let's uh, hear a quickie from Nance.
9: But in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. And I think that what we have been through with the legislation under the leadership of President Biden, who has done a spectacular job. He's had a better two years than most uh, presidents that you can name, certainly in the recent generations.
2: Uh, of course, if that were true, he would need to try to buy votes on the bodies of dead babies and uh, on, uh, you know, the uh, uh, on the uh, temporary
5: uh, fake relief. of. Thank gas. you. Right. Thank
2: you. I was going to say an energy trying to find a way to say well, energy costs for Americans. Uh, and so Bob, thank you. Did yeah.
5: Nobody tell yeah. him he's not allowed to eat ice cream anymore. I mean, this guy, every time he's got an ice cream cone <laughs> in his hand, um, yeah. he mocks the entire American public and lies to our faces. The economy is strong as he's eating the ice cream that's inflated by 13% since the last time you talked to us. The economy's strong. We need to worry about um, foreign affairs and foreign governments and their strength, not America's strength. Well, just... China agrees with you, Joe Biden. Don't worry about America's strength. Deplete it further.
2: It, it, you know what it reminds me of is just just let them eat ice cream cake. That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, seriously, he just does not care about the people. He's going to continue to live uh, his comfortable life there. And by the way, he wasn't munching on an ice cream on his latest Ron Burgundy episode. I don't know if you saw this or if anybody heard this, but uh, give this a quick listen to If you
0: get any questionable calls, please tell us by going to report fraud, report fraud,
7: dot gov. You get it? He spelled out A-T. the dot yeah. in an email address.
5: Special. It's, he is special. He is, yes. That's, that's all I'll he's say. He's a special person. Has he been on the Internet in his adult life? I mean, he is ancient at this point. Does this guy even know how to work a web browser? Obviously, Hunter, Brydon, or Hunter does, but not well. I mean, he's committed, what, 459 violations of the law? Yeah, um, Exactly. It, it's yeah, they are a remarkable um party of on all and this ice cream thing brings me back to the out of touch reality of Pelosi during the pandemic where she's showing us um the Jenny's ice cream, you know, the seventeen dollar a quart ice cream <laughs> that's that her right. family's that it was one. Like they they suffer from the elitist reality that they will never understand the actual inflationary pain that they cause on the middle and lower income class America. They will never know what we're going through and they don't care. Well, but the the irony
2: of that and the, and the, the fury of that, I guess is that they claim to be the party of the middle class. They were the ones that want to give tax cuts to the rich. They want to give tax breaks uh, to the middle class. Of course, it's not true, but this is their their talking points. It's their platform, is that they are the party of middle class, you know, blue-collar workers. And it could not be further from the truth. And I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, tempers flare, and I think the... Um, uh you know, the energy right now, the political energy in this country is is at is such a fever pitch, uh because of the dishonesty of it all. Um Christina, I've got time for one more quickie on you, uh, uh with you here. Um you're the mother of four, right? Three postborn, one preborn,
5: right? That is correct.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, I, I like to phrase it that way because, I'm you know, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of people describing a pre-born baby as not being a baby. You're a mother of four. You've got three that you care for outside of you and one you're caring for exactly inside right. of you, and that's the way that it is. I bring that up to ask you your thoughts on COVID vaccines being mandated for kids as part of their, their, uh, their inoculation schedule that almost all of them are given as infants and in their first couple of years of toddler life, oftentimes required before they will be admitted to kindergarten. Because the CDC yesterday uh, voted and issued a recommendation that COVID-19 vaccinations be uh, uh, added to the list of vaccines that are given to kids when they're born, uh, and as they say, in their in their early uh, uh, childhood years. How do you feel about that, given the fact that children uh, are at the lowest risk of any severe um, uh, illnesses or or certainly deaths from COVID nineteen. If you if you were to look at all of the numbers, and look at the most uh, in in jeopardy population those with um, uh, those with pre existing conditions and those who are over seventy five years of age and so on and so forth. They want to make this mandatory for every American child. Your thoughts on that as a mom? Um,
5: as a mom, I would just encourage fellow parents um, to evaluate honestly the entire vaccine schedule. Um, and realize that when there is not evidence-based or actually there are, there is evidence that has been collected that is to the negative and detrimental to our children, yet has been withheld and not disclosed to us, um, has been kept from us purposefully, but we know that there are high rates of myocarditis Mm -hmm. and, um, anaphylactic shock, all sorts of negative, um, and deadly implications for youth who otherwise are barely barely in any way impacted by COVID, um, who seem to just waltz right through this and have strong, strong immunity and those natural antibodies aren't taken into equation. I would just, uh, I would say this is a time in our history where you should engage on every front with your child's education, their health. You are the governing authority over their life. Um, evaluate that full vaccine schedule. This should be a moment for medical freedom like none other, um, where parents are pushing back and saying, no, you will not harm my child. We will not allow for this unnecessary, um, unproven, um, doesn't even work, it's not a vaccine. Um, we will not put this into our children's bloodstream for Big Pharma's profit and gain, for the collusion and corruption of our federal government, for the CDC to withstand and gain even more power over our lives and where our children can and cannot go based off of a vaccine card. Um, I would implore parents to look at the rates of infant mortality in our country um, and infant mortality in other places and just look at the differential in the vaccine schedules and ask ourselves, are we doing right by our children to follow the guidance of people like the CDC who have wronged us every step of the way through this Quote unquote, pandemic. Um, and then we're going to ask ourselves, will we allow for our most vulnerable citizenry to be subjected to um, the animals that have been running the CDC for the last several years and decades, corruptly so, um, who have big pharma's input directly into the decisions that they make and that don't care about um, the injured child that you'll provide care to for the rest of your life if you're so fortunate as to not have a fatality. Um, that is unnecessary, unwarranted, unwanted, unneeded, and doesn't need to transpire. Um, There are plenty of ways to take care of your child's health that don't involve taking a COVID vaccine ever.
2: Amen. Amen to that. And the idea that it is not your choice and uh, your family's choice, it is the government's choice, is just simply... Uh, sickening! It is uh, is unconstitutional. It is a violation of everything this country is founded upon in terms of liberty. Christina Hagen understands it. Former Ohio State Representative, now on the Ohio Board of Elections. Christina, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the analysis. We'll talk to you next week.
5: Absolutely. God bless, Bob. Thanks.
2: You got it. Ten fifty four. Always Right Radio. Don't forget. Coming up after the top of the hour at about ten ten. We're going to talk to Texas Senator Ted Cruz. What eleven ten? Beg your pardon. Thank you, sir. Eleven ten. Ten minutes after eleven works both ways. Anyway, Ted Cruz is in town campaigning for J.D. Vance, and that's a great thing. Ted Cruz is, to me, the, you know, almost the ultimate conservative warrior in the Senate. There's a couple of others I might give uh, that title to as well. And if he's here for J.D. Vance... That means he believes in J.D. Vance in the same way, that he will be the same type of conservative warrior. And that's what I believe in now. I've gotten to know J.D. a lot better over the last 10 months than I ever did before. And I think he's absolutely the kind of guy who's going to do that for us. We're going to talk to Ted Cruz about that next on AM 1420, The Answer. I don't care
0: if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to time. is always right radio with bob frantz on am 1420 the answer
2: hour number 3 underway i always get so fired up when we start hour number 3 with president reagan and i can tell you this republican voters in medina were fired up when they heard this guy earlier this morning
10: moms and dads are worth fighting for our kids are worth fighting for. Freedom is worth fighting for. The Constitution is worth fighting for. The Bill of Rights is worth fighting for. America is worth fighting for. And together, the state of Ohio and the entire country is standing to fight together. Thank you and God bless you.
2: That was this morning in Medina. That is, of course, Senator Ted Cruz in town, uh, stumping for the next senator from the state of Ohio, J.D. Vance. We talked to J.D. yesterday. Very, very great conversation, and I'm very pleased and honored to bring Senator Ted Cruz onto the airwaves on his behalf now on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Senator, good morning.
10: Bob, good morning. Great to be with you.
2: Northeast Ohio treating you okay?
10: It's fantastic. We're actually on the bus. Uh, We just left Medina about 45 minutes ago. I'm sitting there on the bus with J.D. next to me, and we're headed down the freeway.
2: Fantastic, Senator. I got to tell you, um, quick, quick backstory here, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, in 2016, I was not in Donald Trump's camp in the primaries. I was a Cruz supporter. I still remain one of your biggest fans and supporters. Uh, you are the you are you embody conservatism as far as I'm concerned. You're also one of the smartest people probably in the history of the Senate, and you and you show that on a regular basis. I was a Cruz supporter. I didn't support President Trump until President Trump became the nominee, and then I became a full president trump supporter and i think that worked out pretty darn well because we had four tremendous years likewise In these past primaries, I was not J.D.'s biggest fan. He and I had a lot of conversations. I questioned some things about him and his background, his conservatism, bona fides, and so forth. But once he became the nominee, I have gotten to know J.D. over the last 10 months better than I ever did. I kind of feel the same way, that J.D. Vance is about to blow it out of the water as a real, true conservative senator from Ohio. Tell me what you see in J.D. Vance.
10: Look, I, I'm encouraged and, and very much hope that that, that that proves to be the case. I think J.D. is fighting hard. I think he's running a good campaign. Uh, and, I, and I do think in particular one of the things that is important is that I think J.D. embodies a transformation that has played out in the last decade in the Republican Party, which is that we have become a blue-collar party. And, and I think that is an incredibly important tra- transformation. I think it is fundamental to who this party is, that we're the party of, of truck drivers and steel workers and cops and firefighters and, and waiters and waitresses. And, and I think JD gets that. I, I think he understands that in his gut. And I got to tell you, there, there's still a lot of Republicans in the Senate that don't get that. And, and so I am looking forward uh, to having reinforcements coming to Washington, throwing Chuck Schumer out of his job, coming in with a majority. And I'm frankly looking forward to someone who's going to have backbone to stand up and fight. Because we got to win on Election Day, and I think J.D.'s going to win. I think Ohio is going to stay red. But the battle isn't done on November 8th. That's just the beginning. The real fight starts in January when we have a majority that we've got to then do something with it and stand up and fight. And I'm encouraged that J.D. is ready to go to the front lines and battle, that he understands that, This is a country we're fighting to save.
2: Well, I'm glad you phrase it that way. It it, liter- it literally is about survival. That's the language I've been using. The damage that's been done to this country on an economic level through inflation, through the GDP shrinking, and so on and so on, the, the, the extraordinary danger of the southern border. I've literally said that if you give this, this party more control for 48 months, rather than just the 21 they've had thus far, we won't survive yeah. it. it. I, I mean, w- literally, this isn't just pendulum swing time. You know, sometimes they're in power, sometimes we're in power. I believe if we don't win this majority back on November 8th, we will not survive. This country will never look the same as it did when it was gifted to us by our founding fathers. Am I overstating that?
10: You you know, you're not, and and if possible, you you may be understating it. And and let, let, let me give you what the stakes are here in Ohio. If, God forbid, the Democrats won in Ohio, if the Democrats pick up two seats in the Senate and winning in Ohio would be 50%, Of picking up two seats in the Senate. That would be enough to end the filibuster. Right now there are 48 Democrats who have voted to end the filibuster. If they get two more they'll have the votes to do it. What will they do if they end the filibuster? The first bill they'll pass is S-1. It's the first bill Chuck Schumer introduced. It is a federal takeover of all elections. It strikes down every common-sense voter integrity law across the country. It strikes down photo photo ID requirements. It strikes down prohibitions on ballot harvesting. It automatically registers millions of illegal aliens to vote. It mandates that felons be allowed to vote. That bill is designed to ensure that Democrats never lose another election. The second thing they will do is grant amnesty to 12 million or more illegal aliens to have suddenly voters that they believe will vote Democrat forever. The third thing they will do is add two new states to the union, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, both of which they believe will elect four new Democrat senators. The next thing they will do is pack the U.S. Supreme Court and put four radical left-wing justices on the court forever. All of that, we're two votes away from that happening. Now, let me be clear. I don't believe that's going to happen, but if, God forbid, it did, I am constitutionally, I am structurally an optimist. I believe in America. But I don't know how America comes back from that. I I actually believe that would be the destruction of the republic. And and so you want to know what the stakes are in, in Ohio? On offense, it's about winning and taking our country back. But on defense, it's about stopping cultural Marxists who are trying to destroy this nation from having the tools to complete the task.
2: That is perfectly articulated, which is one of the things that I love about you as a senator and as a leader. And I'm so glad to hear you in Ohio fighting for all of these things, because you've listed almost every single item that I talk about on a regular basis that is on the table if they do end the, the filibuster, and they have promised to do exactly that. So, Senator Cruz... Um, it's it's kind of a an obvious thing to see what, what desperation looks and smells like, isn't it? When Joe Biden, just 17 days before the election, releases 15 million more barrels of oil to try to artificially lower the price of gas by a few cents to try to get a few more votes. And then promising one thing uh, in, in the list that you just gave, he said, the first thing I'll do is codify Roe. So we want to we buy more votes on the backs of dead babies as well. Does, is this what desperation looks like to you?
10: Well, it is, although I'll note when he says codify Roe, he doesn't actually mean that. He means the Democrats' radical abortion bill, which strikes down every reasonable restriction on abortion across the country that mandates unlimited abortion on demand up until the moment of birth, up until the ninth month of pregnancy, with full taxpayer funding and no parental consent and no parental notification. That is the position of Washington Democrats. That is the bill. The Democrats in the Senate have voted for it. That's what Joe Biden means. Um, it is truly, look, we saw how terrifying that was just a couple of days ago. Stacey Abrams was on TV, and she said something that was downright chilling. She said, well, if you're worried about inflation, if you can't afford uh, your bills, just, just, just if, if you're pregnant, just have an abortion. Because you, the uh, inflation only matters, like the kid is expensive. And it just is horrifying. No, Stacey. Abortion is not a solution to inflation, and taking a human life is not a response to crazy Democrats in Washington, but that's where they are. And listen, Stacey Abrams is the id of the Democrat Party, and the reality is Tim Ryan likes to pretend he's a moderate, but he ain't. Uh, his voting record with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, it's not 95 percent, it's not 98 percent, it is one percent. That is how dangerous this is.
2: Yeah, it is all of that. I've been spending a lot of time on this program this morning while you were talking to the folks in Medina about J.D., and I'm so glad you are, uh, and making this trip. I was talking about uh, law and order and about the extraordinary spike in violent crime in big blue cities all across this country. And so much of it is caused by, you know, left-wing soft-on-crime prosecutors, but also soft-on-crime judges who are, uh, you know, giving no-cash bail or very low-cash bail to violent people. Tim Ryan is among those who has literally called for an end to cash bail saying that uh, violent criminals who have been charged deserve the right to go out and intimidate witnesses to their cases uh, without being locked up until uh, they can post a a significant amount of money to get out. That is just so dangerous for the American people. Do they understand that here in Ohio?
10: Well, they certainly should, because the left-wing radicals we have, you know, cash bail sounds like an abstract question. It's not clear what what it's about. Let me explain what cash bail, no cash bail is about. It means releasing violent murderers immediately back into the community next to your family. And left-wing Democrats are doing that over and over and over again. Do you remember the, the, the Waukesha Christmas Day murderer? Of course. That animal who drove his SUV into a parade murdering children, murdering little old ladies, was out. On a low cash bail, he was actually had been arrested for running someone else over with the same damn SUV. And left-wing Democrats let him go, and wonder of wonders, he went and did it again. That pattern is playing out over and over and over again. Lee Zeldin, he's running for governor uh, of New York. He was at a campaign event. Some nut jumped up with, with a, a sharpened weapon and tried to slit his throat at the event. Thankfully, uh, Lee is a veteran. He knows how to defend himself. He defended himself. Police officers tackled the guy. The lunatic was released from jail that day. This is what Democrats do. If you want more murderers and rapists being released into your community, then vote Democrat. It's a great strategy. You're just going to have to flee your neighborhood and find a safer place to live.
2: Well, not that you need another example. Those were great examples. But we've got one, particularly since you brought up the Waukesha vehicular uh, manslaughter or murder. Uh, The the North Dakota guy, the Shannon Brandt, who said he ran down this kid, this 18-year-old Taylor Ellingson, because he was a Republican. Uh, he literally ran him down, and guess what? He was free, set free as well. A uh, $5,000 bond or something like that. And he said, you know what? I don't want to be inconvenienced by my murder trial. I've got a job and a family, you know. And the judge said, okay, uh, we'll go low on you. These these things, you know, again, we're talking about J.D., but we're also talking about issues here in Ohio. we got issue number one that is going to mandate that judges consider public safety and witness safety when uh, when deciding on cash bail amounts.
10: You know, it didn't used to be a controversial position that murderers should be locked up. (laughs) It shows you just how nutty the left is. Listen, Bob, if I'd gone on your show five years ago and I said, the Democrats want to abolish the police, you might have said, "Okay, Ted, you're getting a little carried away. No one is that nuts. What idiot would abolish the police? That's now where democrats are and by the way it's not just a few fringe members of the squad that advocate abolishing the police no joe biden has nominated not one not two three of the leading advocates in the country of abolishing the police biden has nominated to senior positions in the u.s department of justice and every single democrat voted to confirm them including sherrod brown unfortunately ohio's democrat senator Mm. happily voted to confirm three of the leading advocates for abolishing the police. These people have lost their minds, and, and and it's why I think November is going to be a fantastic election, because I think that, 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 that it, it's going to be an election for sanity, for people saying, look, call us nuts, but we don't want murderers released in, into our neighborhoods. Call us nuts, but we don't want to pay $7 a gallon for gasoline. Call us nuts, but we don't want to see... Four and a half million people cross into this country illegally, as they have under Joe Biden. And call us nuts, but 100,000 deaths, uh, overdoses of fentanyl and other opioids last year, the highest in history under Joe Biden. That's what Democrats give you. People are saying enough is enough.
2: Senator Ted Cruz is my guest. He's in town uh, and in Ohio campaigning for JD Vance, helping JD become the next great conservative senator from the state of Ohio. I got one last question for you because I know you got to run here, Senator. This is a legislative question, if you don't mind my asking. It's about the sure. JCPA. Uh, you know, it's that Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. Yep. It's so weird. So many of you and your fellow First Amendment defenders seem to be at odds about this. Rand Paul was against for it, now against it. Tom Cotton's against it. Mike Lee's against it. You were against it, but you wrote an amendment. To it, I'm told that makes yep. it more palatable. I am a member, and in fact, the national communications director of a group called Citizens for Free Speech, a nonprofit that is trying to protect the First Amendment. And I'm trying to understand what you've done with this. Can you explain it? Because uh, I haven't seen your amendment in language anywhere.
10: Well, sure. Um, so, so the bill was designed and and it was pitched as a way to allow smaller media outlets, be be they local broadcast stations, radio stations, newspapers, to band together and collectively bargain with big tech. And the reason is big tech right now takes content produced by local journalism, puts it out uh, on the web. And then runs ads and makes a ton of money from it, and, and the local journalists don't get any of the money. And so this was a bill that was designed to say the smaller journalists can band together and have an exemption from antitrust, uh, antitrust law to do that. Now, as I looked at the bill, I'm sympathetic to the objective. I think big tech is one of the greatest forces for evil in the world. Agreed. And, and anything that reduces their power, I'm interested in but... My number one concern when it comes to big tech is censorship. These big tech oligarchs are silencing free speech. And so what I said in the Senate Judiciary Committee, I drafted an amendment that that prohibited the, the antitrust immunity for any efforts at censorship. And, and actually, initially, my amendment passed, and Amy Klobuchar, the author of the bill, pulled the bill down and said, well, I can't support that. And I made very clear. I said, "Look, you adopt my amendment, you put this protection against censorship. I'm a yes. You don't. I'm a no." We ended up working out an agreement. John Kennedy, the Republican for Louisiana, is also a sponsor of it. Yeah. Where we wrote, wrote into the bill for the first time meaningful protections against censorship. That's why I voted yes, and it's also why big tech hates the bill.
2: Where can where can Americans read that amendment? Anywhere that you know of.
10: Uh sure you you can read it on, on our website we we should have it up on on okay. Cruz.senate.gov, you, you can read the amendment and, and see exactly what, what was passed in the law. Yeah, or just pass, one of those. Passed out of those, committee, it's not into law yet.
2: Understood, got it. Yeah, just one of those things. I got Cruz and Kennedy on one side, and I got a Paul and a Cotton on the other, and it's like, wait a minute, I love all those guys. What in the world do I have to do about that? So I want Americans to be able to see that. Sure. But what I want Ohioans to do is vote for J.D. Vance. Ted Cruz, thank you, Senator, for being here. I hope when you're done you'll go over and help Dr. Oz keep John Fetterman out of the Senate as well. Uh, we, we,
10: we've got to win that race.
2: You're doing great work for the American people, Senator. Thank you very much for coming on with us.
10: Appreciate it. God bless.
2: God bless you, too. There you go. Senator Cruz, uh, I could talk to him for three hours straight and never, ever, ever get tired of it. And uh, and I don't think you would either. Uh, it's just uh, he's a brilliant constitutional scholar, and, uh, and we're so glad to have him on our side. All right, it's 1129. We're going to go to news, and on the other side of the news, we're going to have a short segment for you, but this is your chance. We've had guests wall-to-wall this morning, so if you want to call now, let's do it. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110 on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
0: Miss something you want to hear? Check out the Always Right Radio podcast anytime at whkradio.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King.
2: 1136, final segment of the morning. Final segment of the week, as a matter of fact, uh, as we are now just 17 days away from the midterms. One day away from the uh, Battleground Talkers Tour tomorrow. A lot of the stuff that Ted Cruz and I just talked about, a lot of the stuff that J.D. Vance and I talked about yesterday, a lot of the stuff that Steve Loomis and uh, Prosecutor Joe Dieters and I talked about earlier today is all going to be on the table tomorrow. They're going to be at the IX Center. If you don't have your tickets yet, I apologize; it's too late. Uh, but we're going to have hundreds of people there uh, in uh, a portion of the IX Center, and Hugh Hewitt and Officer Tatum and Eric Metaxas and Peter Kersenau and I are going to are going to address every single one of those and, extro- and, and, uh, and express. <clears throat> The extraordinary importance of uh, of winning Ohio and of winning the majority, and and it's so much bigger than just the congressional races and the Senate races, as we've been talking about over the course. As we've been talking about over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks, um, you've got to vote in these issue on these issues. You've got to vote on issue one and issue two, and you've got to vote yes, as we talked about with Steve today. You've got to vote in these judicial races, uh, particularly in the Ohio Supreme Court. We are going to be set back a decade or more if we don't make sure that Pat Fisher and Pat DeWine uh, remain on the court and that Sharon Kennedy is the chief justice. It just has to happen. And if you think that you can sleep on those races and say, well, I voted for Vance and I voted for Max Miller, I did my job, I'm done, um, you didn't you're missing a lot uh and and so there's uh there's a lot of races uh that matter on a local level on a state level a lot of issues a lot of judicial races i hope you're paying attention to let me get a couple of calls in here before we're done lisa woods our friend from medina county friends and neighbors i'm going to assume you were with uh ted cruz and jenny vance uh, a little (laughs) bit earlier this morning yes
9: i was i was what a great event the place is packed uh, the energy was high, and it was really fun afterwards. Uh, a lot of people signed in the bus. Got to do it, you know. Sounds like you it's were cheering nice.
2: loudly, based on the quality of your voice right now. It sounds like you, uh, <laughs> you were doing some shouting. Huh? Yeah,
9: yeah, that's right. You know, it used to be rock shows. Now it's political events. You know, life <laughs> <So> changes. <true. laughs> life changes you. <laughs> For me, it used so. to be
2: ball games, and now it's political rallies.
9: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so it was very good, very good. And, you know, we're going to be back there in the morning again tomorrow morning at 8.30. We've got Max Miller coming.
2: Terrific, terrific. Max, of course, in District number 7, a very, very strong candidate, is doing really, really great work. Uh, Who else is going to be there tomorrow?
9: Yeah, he won't be the only one. I know uh, Melanie Miller will be there. Um, I ran into um, Scott Stevenson, who's running for the Ninth uh, District uh, Court of Appeals. Um, we're going to have plenty of other candidates uh, that will be there for everyone to meet. And also we're going to go over those issues, too. I want to make sure that there's no doubt that uh, everyone understands the issues and the candidates and knows who to vote for if they haven't already. And, you know, I love to vote on that day. I like to just vote and see my neighbors and go in and vote. I'll I'll be be honest with you.
2: I'll be honest with you. I wish we still had single-day voting, just one election day like we used to have. Yeah. However, yeah. if they're not going to allow that, I do find it convenient to be able to vote at my Board of Elections with less crowds and less lines and so forth. But but as long as people do it, and as long as they tell others, particularly conservative Republicans, the extraordinary importance of defending and, uh, uh, and, and allowing this republic, as I said to Ted Cruz, uh, survive. Uh, it literally is survival. It's not just a matter of oh, a little bit of power. We'll gain a little bit more next time. Uh, it is, if we let them have 48 months of unchecked Democrat control of the White House ah. and both chambers of the uh, Congress, as well as not getting the right judges elected in, uh, in Ohio. I mean, we're in very, very serious trouble. As a matter of fact, Lisa, uh, I'm going to let you go here, and I appreciate the call. Thanks for telling us about Medina County Friends and Neighbors tomorrow morning at 830. I'm told I've got a judicial candidate on the line. Uh, Judge Tim Hasko- or uh, Tim Hascauga County Court of Common Pleas, General Division. Uh, he is running, and he's joining us now at AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you?
11: Good morning, Bob. Thank you very much for allowing me to sit in with uh, Khalid last Friday. That was an excellent uh, experience, and um, thank you for that. My pleasure. um, Khalid is great. I
2: I was out of state, so I missed the conversation, but uh, Khalid did fill me in, and uh, I'm so glad he had you on. Uh, But please, go ahead.
11: It was great. It was great. You know, I've been running you a lot of events. Uh, A couple nights ago, I had to run before we got off over there at uh, the Hungarian church. But anyway, you know, this issue one, uh, it's kind of ridiculous that it even has to be an issue uh, because we've, as judges, you know, judges have always uh, taken into consideration public safety when you're setting a bond. And the idea that this has to be an issue is kind of ridiculous, but it is. And uh, I can talk about it, even though I'm a candidate to to run and take the bench. Um, Everybody needs to say yes to this. It's kind of a no-brainer. Um, but you know, judges need to be able to. If you want your community safe, if you want to keep people who are violent criminals um, in, where they need to be pending their case, uh, then then you got to vote yes on on issue issue one.
2: Yeah, I completely concur with that. But uh, just briefly on your campaign and your uh, your race uh, against Richard Bell, can you? These are nonpartisan races, of course, so you can't really uh, identify and affiliate with with a party. But can you tell us a little bit about your judicial philosophy?
11: Sure. I am um, a constitutionalist through and through. The Constitution was written for farmers and cobblers and carpenters. It wasn't written for, you know, people. You don't have to have a Harvard or a Yale law degree to understand and read the Constitution. You know, apply it. The Bill of Rights applies to every citizen in the United States. If you read the law and apply it as a judge, it's a pretty simple job. Um, there's a lot of other factors and administratively that go along with being a judge that can be tough. But if you just stick to the law and don't legislate from the bench, you'll be a good judge. And that's what my philosophy is. Everybody who comes into my courtroom is going to be treated equally. Uh, There's going to be no favoritism. I don't care if you're a kid from Pepper Pike or a kid from East Cleveland. You're going to be treated equally in my courtroom, and that's because we have the fabulous document called the Constitution of the United States.
2: That's exactly what I look for in every judicial race I ever analyze and ever decide on, uh, including, of course, races for courts like uh, this Ohio Supreme Court. Uh, It's exactly that. I don't need you legislating. You're not a legislator. I need you interpreting the law and the Constitution. That's exactly what I want without bias, without prejudice, and that's what I'm looking for. And it sounds like that's exactly how you want to run your court. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. Say yes to Hess. God bless you. Thank you for calling. I appreciate that. That's uh, Tim Hess. Uh, Returner did, uh, uh, that Steve Loomis told, told us about earlier today. Somebody charged with, I think, three charges of murder and two counts of, of, uh, of assault or whatever it is. And it was a million-dollar bond that she reduced down to 50000 And then that, of course, was reduced down to 5,000, 10% posted uh, cash bond. Let's this guy out to intimidate the witnesses and potentially victimize more people before he goes away for good. It is reprehensible. I don't want judges who do that sort of thing. And that's why I. uh, And by the way, Denise Salerno is running against that particular judge, uh, Turner. And uh, I hope you support Salerno as well. Wow, that's a lot today. We had a lot of great guests. We had a lot of great conversation. I hope you have a safe weekend. Please be active. Please try to help get the right people elected. And we'll talk again on Monday morning right here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, at the end. So be safe, stay free. Bye bye.